Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Holy moly! Man, woman, and child in that bottom of the aisle. Johnny the Jet Riders just for a moose of their shoe. Oh, they don't have him yet? Look at Tommy Frazier. How many tackles can one man break? Touchdown. What's going on, Husker fans? Welcome back to Believe in Nebraska Football on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Casacho, and uh, tough loss. That's about as tough as they've, uh, as they've come this season as the Huskers fell on the road to the Minnesota Gophers um, and what was a must win. Uh, there's no, no, no question the Huskers needed to win that game uh, really to keep their chances of being bowl eligible alive. I mean, obviously there's, there's four games left, right? So you only need to win three of those four, but the chances of that happening, given that Ohio state and Iowa are two of those teams, um, it's not impossible, but it's, it's not a, it does not feeling likely. And just, yeah, it was, it was a must win. It, It not just the sense that we needed to make a bowl, but it was a must win in the sense that the Huskers needed to have, to show that they could win in Big Ten play. We're talking about a team that has one win in the conference this season. I know they've played better than that, but at some point, the fact that you've played better doesn't... It, it has to to translate to results, and it hasn't. That doesn't mean that that I'm, I'm sitting here just, just completely despairing about the state of the program, but I'm definitely just kind of standing here today baffled. I can't believe that this, this is where they're at. Given how well they've played, we're at three and five with one power five win. One. I can't believe that. But before I dive more into, into the state of the program and the, and the whole season, let's, let's talk about what went wrong for the Huskers on, on Saturday. To start, I mean, the, the, I could tell immediately that when the Huskers took the field and it was just a quick three and out, Martinez didn't look good. The protection didn't look good. I was like, okay, that's not great. That's not, I mean, and, and it kind of just the, at least that particularly that first half, but really the rest of the game kind of was just, it felt like it was kind of just downhill from there and that we, you know, we, we got down and then it was just in the first half and it was just trying to climb back up. But I, I, I didn't, I didn't have a ton of faith that we were even going to be able to do that. Um, mostly, it was weird. It was like the faith. I mostly just couldn't believe we were going to lose this game, that the Huskers were going to lose this game. So <laughs> I felt like they, they've got to come back. But like nothing on the field and the way the game was going inspired me to feel like they were going to come back. Um, so it, it started there. I think the most important thing, the, the the biggest thing to me, at least in this game, was I felt like it was the first game this season, or at least since the Illinois game, um, that Adrian Martinez was outperformed by the opposing quarterback. Uh, he had a tough day. And it stinks because it was the worst time to have a bad game. His worst game since Illinois, he was 18-33, um, completed f- 
54% of his passes. I mean, he's been above 60 every game since that Illinois game. It, but it, it looked like there was so much about this game that the Huskers came out and looked like it, it, it felt like since Illinois, at the bare minimum for the last four or five games, the Huskers, they, they were losing, they were barely losing to top opponents, but it wasn't the same team that had lost to Illinois. You know, a quarterback getting outperformed by, you know, Illinois' backup. Not that Tanner Morgan, Tanner Morgan's a good quarterback. He's a great quarterback. But, it, it, you know, Martinez's play has been so great. And and like I say typically every week, the, you know, we'll go as far, the Huskers will go as far as he takes them. But it wasn't there. I mean, it, he, it, it just started off with that three and out, and it was just kind of a rough day the rest of the way. And he wasn't the only one that 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 looked bad. The whole team looked really sluggish. The defense did not look good, particularly in the first half. It looked like they kind of woke up a little bit in the second half. But I mean, at the end of the half, it's twenty-one to nine. I mean, it, that's terrible. I mean, it, they they kind of just went on us at will. I think. I think the defense maybe I, I you know to some degree why why did that happen? I I look at it like. I think that they struggled. I think our defense, like Luke Reimer and Nick Henrich, are two have two of the most two of the leading tacklers in the Big Ten, but they're not the biggest linebackers. They're they're kind of fast and quick to the ball, and that that's worked really well for us this year. I think that that kind of matched up poorly with Minnesota sometimes putting you know six seven tackles uh, offensive linemen out on the field. I, I, that's that could be one reason. I mean, to be completely honest, and I, I don't want to make excuses here. Let me first start off by saying Minnesota, we talked about this. Minnesota came in with the, they're a rushing team that had lost the two deep of their running backs. They had lost Mo Ibrahim, and then they had lost Trey Potts. So, you know, they, they, there's nothing. There's, they, they, you know, clinic, clearly have had bad breaks of their own. But I do think that ultimately – a factor in this game was the fact that the Huskers had played eight straight. I mean, this was Minnesota's sixth game, and it was the Huskers, and they just were coming off of a game of rest. They had a bye the week before. That's how it looked in the first half. That looked like an energized, rested Minnesota team, and the Huskers looked slow and sluggish. I think just going you know, blow for blow with Michigan, Michigan State, um, Playing three night games in a row, and it just been it had been eight games without a bye week. I I do think that that was a factor in the game. That's not an excuse. It's just it's just a fact. Like I think that that impacted the game. And playing the three night games in a row, and then having an eleven a.m. start, I think I think impacted their ability to get to start fast, and that was important against Minnesota because Minnesota is a team that wants to play with a the lead. They they want to just they want to hold the ball. They want to you know they're they're a typical Big Ten team. Um, Iowa, Wisconsin do the same thing, but they, you know, it's, it's a lot easier if you can get ahead of them, if you can get ahead and start fast to, to, to force them to do some stuff. That being said, I mean, Minnesota passed the ball and the Huskers kind of effortlessly in the first couple quarters. So this is, I mean, it was just the worst time to have a bad first half. And it, it seems like that's kind of the story with Nebraska a, a, across the board, doing the one thing you can't do at the worst time. Even in this game, I mean, <laughs> driving down to the one, you know, trying to take the lead. You know, it did look like Martinez got in. 
I, again, I don't want to make an excuse, but I did feel like all of the calls were going against the Huskers in this game. Not that there were a ton of big calls, but there was an, clearly an incomplete pass that happened in the in the first half that they reviewed and that Minnesota had. That they reviewed and that oh no, we, it, the call stands. It was a because we couldn't really see. It didn't look like he completed that pass at all. And then they went on to score. And same with the Martinez's touchdown in the second half. I'm just like, it, it, he gets in. You, everybody, it looked like he got in. I don't know. You guess he didn't have an angle, but you didn't get the touchdown right. And then, you know, Yaquiz Yant trips on fourth down and doesn't get it. Um, a lot has been discussed on that fourth down play as a uh, – is they why, why didn't Martinez line up under center and sneak it? Why they why is he never under center? The reasoning for that, I listen. I understand why everyone's frustrated. If if Yant doesn't trip and you could trip if he's handing the ball off to Yant from under center, that that just is what the those kind of accidents can happen on fourth down tripping and just not getting it. That's kind of why the refs need to get it right when they score. You can't just say well. You know, it's fourth down. You just—it's only a couple inches. Just go get it. No, like you need to get that call right. If Martinez is in, and it looked like he was in in every angle I saw, and you're gonna say call stands because you couldn't definitively see the ball or whatever's going on, like he got in, you got it wrong on the field. That needs to be right. Touchdown plays have to be right. Otherwise, I mean, that's just bad officiating. It's got those plays have to be right. And again, like we talk about this all the time, but like. It was a seven-point game. Like, if that call, if we get that play, then we, you know, then the game is, that's the difference in the game. But I I just, that him lining up under center or from the shotgun, Nebraska's a shotgun team. They practice out of the shotgun most of the time. Their execution is going to probably be higher out of the shotgun. I understand people wanting to see them line up under center. They just practice that a lot less, given that they are constantly in shotgun. It makes sense. Yant would have been in if he didn't trip. It had nothing to do with lining up under shotgun or not. It it didn't. Um, and obviously we had, I mean, every demon came out to play in this game. You know, all of a sudden we were back to Martinez is completing 50% of his passes. The defense is giving up long possession, you know, drives that lead to touchdowns, <laughs> to eating up whole, you know, more than half the quarter. Then the special teams, we have Connor Cole played a 50-yarder, and now he couldn't hit anything. He couldn't hit any of his <laughs> couldn't hit any of his field goals. We had to just abandon that part of the game. So that special teams was back. I mean, it 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 that it, yeah, it was all of the bad things of the Huskers that we'd seemingly got to a large degree figured out um, came back. And the biggest play of the game ended up being you know down five. With the ball in the fourth quarter and running back into our own end zone and getting intentional grounding and getting a safety. I don't know how Martinez handles it mentally, man. Like, I don't know how you, how every game there's like the biggest play of the game is you just blowing it. The the biggest play of the Michigan game, a fumble. The biggest play of this game is safety. I mean, it's just, it's tough, man. I feel, I honestly, I feel for the kid because he's, he is a great player. We're talking about two games. Normally, like, having out of eight games, six people, quarterbacks have bad days. Six out of eight games playing at an unbelievably high level, just for the nation, for the country, playing at, a, at an elite level. 
10 touchdowns through the air with three to three interceptions. That's pretty good. And 10 more touchdowns on the ground. That's great. That typically is enough to not be three and five. That's enough typically to be, you know, four and four. I would think, I mean, like, <laughs> like at least probably have a winning record. You probably are five and three with that, with that kind of a quarterback and a defense that has two, you know, leading tacklers in the big 10. Like I, I, it's baffling. I, you feel bad for the whole team. You you really do. I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the answer is. But the facts are the facts. One win in Big Ten play. One win in the Power Five for this season. They can they can look better on the field all they want. Martinez can put together the stat. All the stats are nice. The, the you know covering the spread against Vegas. You still lost two games. You were you were favored to win. You're only favored to win three games this year. You won one out of those three. That's just that's a fact. Um, you covered the spread and losses against top opponents. That's that's fine. But at the end of the day, there's nothing to hang your hat on in terms of results of this progress. There's no result of the progress we to, to show that Nebraska has has has, uh, has has moved forward. And that could still come. I mean, that, that there's four games left. Ohio State's one of them. Iowa's another. Still come. Go win one of those games. And people will, it, it'll quiet a lot of people, quiet a lot of the chatter. But as you can imagine, losing to Minnesota, a three and two team in the Big Ten, in the big, in our division, in the Big Ten West, there's a ton of chatter now about after, I mean, I feel like, of course, I said last week, after the Michigan game, Scott Frost proved the direction of this program. And then we, then they come out for the first time since week zero in week seven and just blow it and just, just completely blow it. Did, just completely regress all of the work. I talked about it every week that they were getting better every week. And for the first, and then of course, after the Michigan game, they, you know, (laughs) they weren't better this week. They weren't as good as they were probably against Fordham this week. They were back to square one. That's how it felt. And that's unbelievably disappointing. I mostly am disappointed by how well they've played at times this season, that this season will go down in history as just the same old, the same old record, the same Scott Frost Husker team as 2020, as 2019, as 2000, you know, 2018, I think has a better, it was better. It felt better. I can remember being in a Nebraska bar after Nebraska barely lost to Iowa at the end of that first season with Scott. And they chanted go big red because they were so excited about what the future held. And that just future has not come. Progress has been made, but there has just been no result. I think the best win of Scott Frost's tenure happens in that season. It's probably the Michigan State win. Michigan State was a pretty good team that year. I'm not sure. There isn't really a good win to, to point to for four years. It was so close against Michigan, but that that's just the reality. That's where we're at. We're a team standing here at the end of four years with nothing to show for it. Whatever progress has been made is just, it's just, you know, it's just talk. There's no result. We haven't found a way to get that result. And I'm not saying that I've lost faith in this staff because I haven't. It's not because I think that they're, that they're perfect or that everything's gone right or that I'm completely satisfied. I, you know, that that's obviously not the case either. I just don't, I think that this program, I, I can see that this program has come such a long way. I mean, PJ Fleck 
grabbed Martinez after the game and just wanted to tell him how much of a fan he is of him and that over the years they've been playing for four, you know, this is the fourth year that he's played against Martinez. And he said, I'm so proud of how good you've gotten. Because he has. He's improved. The whole team has improved. He said, I'm a fan of everybody. I watch you guys. You know, the, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of everybody. I love. I'm so proud of how good you guys have gotten. And, you know, PJ Flex is a great guy. But the point is, everybody can see it. Everybody can see, you know, you, you can compare the Michigan game from 2018 and the Michigan game from 2021. And frankly, you can compare even the, the, the Minnesota game from last year to the Minnesota game from this year. As, as sluggish as they looked, it, it wasn't as bad as that. But the result isn't there. The result isn't there. We don't, there's nothing to point to. And that's still out there. The season isn't over. But it, it certainly, I mean, I'll be honest, it felt like it was. After that game, after, I mean, frankly, after halftime, <laughs> it felt like, all right, season's over. Because it felt like the the you know the, our chances just became, you know, as Lee Corso would say, you know, we have two chances now to have this season be something slim and none. To have when I say be something, I mean take a step forward. Now we, our chances of making a bowl are slim and none, and that we just need to do something. Beating Wisconsin, beating Iowa, remain also steps that need to be taken. We, that that we need to take. You're going to win the West, beating Minnesota, beating Iowa, beating Wisconsin remain, you know, paramount. Two of those teams are left. I will not consider beating Wisconsin this year as some big step forward. It needs to be more than that. Wisconsin's on a down year. I mean, we haven't beaten them in 10 years. So I I don't want to be, you know, greedy, I guess. But I don't think I am. We're three and we have one win in the Power Five. Beating Wisconsin is not a, a big accomplishment this year. Beating Iowa is. You know, they tried to manufacture this rivalry. It's become real. Iowa has a great team this year, even though they lost to Purdue. Winning against them would be a big step forward. That would be a big, like, at the end of the season, kind of peeking over that hill, put over the hump, as we, as we keep talking about every week. We can't get over the hump. That would be a big hump to get over, beating Iowa. And frankly, like if you beat Iowa, we then have a shot at a bowl game. Getting to a bowl game by itself, even if we hadn't beaten Iowa, would have been a big step forward. We haven't played in a bowl game in four or five years. Like that would be a big step forward. But with this Minnesota loss, it doesn't really look like that's going to happen. And that's devastating because this team was so much better. But they're probably going to walk out on the season with, you know, one to three power five wins. I mean, that is just not cutting it. That is just not cutting it. And the truth is the Purdue game looked like a, you know, should be a lock. I mean, honestly, coming out of Northwestern and Michigan, it felt like everybody was saying Nebraska is the second best team behind Iowa in the big 10 West. Now I, I don't think anything's a given Nebraska looked bad. I'm hoping what they have to do now, I mean, that's what we, at some point you have to talk about. We can't talk about three and five. You got to just, sh- you have to just move on. We always talk about this after these losses. You just have to move on. Rest on the bye. Come back and try to build off of, you know, flush that Minnesota game. Build off of what we what they had been building up to this point. I think that the Northwestern game and the Michigan game Clearly, we took a step back. I mean, Ben Hart, as we talked about him last week, 
on the offensive line, it's going to kill us this whole the rest of the way that that Prohaska um, is going to be out because Ben Hart got completely manhandled in that Minnesota game. But honestly, both tackles were getting manhandled. Clearly, Prohaska was you know is a big going to be a big piece for the Huskers moving forward, given that he's his elevated play as a true freshman. He how much he elevated the the offensive play as a true freshman. So, you know, they, they got to rest up, come back with a fire. Purdue, they, I mean, even Purdue. Purdue has had multiple signature wins. A few years ago, they were able to beat Ohio State with Rondale Moore. Like, they just beat number two Iowa. Nebraska has not had that since 2016. Like, this is, how did, how did this Purdue team end up with a signature win that we're starving for. It was so hard to watch after after losing to Minnesota that 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 Purdue was able to to get their signature win to have that to, of their seat just of this season. Cuz they've already had they've had Purdue has had more signature wins than the Huskers have in the last 5 years. I mean that's just you say that out loud and it's just horrifying that this is where the program's at. But we're gonna face the Huskers are gonna face Purdue nonetheless, and they got to show up and build off of what they did, rest up, and build and build off of it. That's all there is to do. I I, I really believe this. I talked about this about Minnesota, about Northwestern. This game, these games, the Huskers should win, is way more about the Huskers than it is about how they match up with Purdue. Like it's about the Huskers. If the Huskers had shown up against Minnesota, there's no doubt if the same Huskers who showed up against Michigan showed up against Minnesota, they would have won the game. So they just need to do that. They need to put together, they need to rest and take a step forward from Michigan, not from Minnesota because Minnesota looked like the the beginning of the season, awful, just, just sloppy, sloppy football. They just need to put it together. They need to flush the Minnesota game and build off of whatever they were doing against Michigan. And I, I do think that maybe they they had gotten a little t- that that all of those night games, three Big Ten night games in a row, maybe had gotten to them. I, I I don't know, but I hope that they can just flush it and move forward. Because while I thought that Purdue was having a down year, they're actually looking pretty good. They're ranked, in fact. They're ranked 25, 25th after the win against Iowa, and their only losses come against Notre Dame and Minnesota, who just uh, you know took us behind the you know the woodshed and thumped us. So they are gonna. It's gonna be an unbelievably tough game. They have a great defense. They picked off Petrus of Iowa last week four times. That Purdue Boilermaker defense. It's gonna be a tough day. They deploy three quarterbacks. O'Connell did most of the damage, 30 of 40 passing, but Jake Plummer and Austin Burton also played in the game. They all played on the first drive against Iowa. So they're going to give us different looks, and their wide receiver is just an absolute beast. David Bell caught 11 passes for 240 yards and a touchdown against the Hawkeye defense, which is one of the best in the country. I think a lot of people thought was the best in the country, led the country in takeaways. The only t- takeaway the Hawkeyes were able to muster was a, 
a ball slipping out of their back's hand going into the end zone, which is a touchback for a touchback, which is like one of the worst rules in football. But I digress. Like Purdue is a great team. This is this is going to be a, a difficult game, an unbelievably difficult game. And if Purdue is able to beat Wisconsin this week, they'll be ranked going into next week against the Huskers. So the Huskers need to take this by, shake off whatever that Minnesota game was, and get prepared for a true battle. Because every game, we they have to try to win every game here. I mean, obviously you're going to try to win every game. But you don't want this season to just mean nothing. And after this Minnesota loss, that's what it's on the verge of. But they'll get an opportunity to play potentially a ranked team in Purdue following the bye. That's our show for this week. Next week, we'll be taking the week off due to the bye. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks to discuss whether or not the Huskers were able to begin riding the ship against the Purdue Boilermakers. And as always... Go Big Red. I was raised in Nebraska, but one time I journeyed south, and the things those Okies said down there made me wipe out a couple of miles. They like their Sooner football And they don't like the Huskers enough But I surprised them all when I sang this song I made them take off and run You can boast about your victory Tell me all about your team But when we meet on the football field your bridges won't be clean You can brag about the Sooners And sing your old fight song But don't come across our borderline Cause you knuckleheads don't belong Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.